Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name's Maura Trasani-Rule and on this week's show we look back at the very exciting Interpro we were treated to on Saturday afternoon as well as Connacht and Ulster's defeats in round six of the URC. And joining me here in studio as always is the lovely Lindsay Pete and the lovely James Downey. How are we doing? Brilliant. What an occasion, what a game on Saturday. We'll jump straight in with this one. The rivalry is back, Lindsay. I think it's something that's now, it's world renowned. You know, like I think James Ryan alluded to that in his post-match interview. This is a rivalry like no other on any Irish rugby fan will it'll, it'll say the same. So I think we're all just coming up for air at this mm-hmm. stage. What a match. Um, it lived up to expectation. 52,000 in the Aviva. Um, I wasn't at myself, unfortunately, in my own club game. But anyone I was speaking to after, we said the atmosphere was electric and it really lived up to just an all-round exciting exhibition of rugby. So it was two heavyweights going top to show. It was. And I was there in the Aviva and the atmosphere was brilliant. And I suppose on paper going into this game, Leinster had by far the stronger team. But it's not one on paper and Munster weren't phased by it in any shape or form. No, certainly not. And I think you look at, um, especially they started so well and so fast, um, which kind of caught Leinster off guard. And I think Leinster ultimately made a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, I think Gary Ringrose made a lot of missed tackles. James Ryan, a few knock-ons. Jimmy O'Brien under high balls. Hugo Keenan under high balls. There was things that we never see Leinster do. And they were just under pressure and Munster had them. And I guess... They're going to be so frustrated that they gave away that Ty Byrne intercept try, which mm-hmm. I think ultimately cost them the game, you know. But look, they, they can build on that. It was such a great game, though, you know, and it was great to have that rivalry back, as Lindsay mentioned, because it's it's crucial for Irish rugby, but it's yeah. crucial to have that little bit of a bite, as we always need, going into, into some big games. There was a lot to like about Munster's performance, but they won't be happy with the losing bonus point because they put themselves in a position to win that game. And as James alluded to there, you know, it was three monster mistakes, really, that led to the three tries from Leinster. Uh, yes, but uh, we mentioned Gary Ringrose, right? Who's, I suppose, renowned as this out and out third team. We probably don't have a lot of, you know, those fully polished third team players, say for even Ireland. But one flaw and one Achilles heel of Gary Ringrose is when he does shoot out the line, if you do not make that tackle, which he didn't on Simon Zebo. Cost us that uh, Craig Casey try. So mm, there's sort of both sides, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, both sides were guilty probably of mistakes. But uh, if we go back to the semi-final of the URC last year between Munster and Leinster, it was Munster who lived and p- kind of built on those mistakes and like punished Leinster. So probably on the back of what they did to Leinster last year, they'll be kicking themselves in this that they didn't come away with the win. Um, so... Yeah, personally, I suppose I'm a little bit biased. I would yeah. think that it would be Leinster would be more the the kind of side who'd be kicking themselves as to their mistakes because they got so many in the green zone. Five metres, probably mm. both teams were guilty of really poor mistakes towards the five metre, but especially Leinster. Yeah. I mean, Ty Furlong had a knock on. Um, then there was a turnover for Ty Bourne, mm. who was excellent just after the Lammer try. I think that Leinster could have wrapped up a bonus point. But I have to give it to Munster. I thought they were excellent. I thought Jack Crowley, again, on the gain line, really controlled everything with his team. And I thought the back three for Munster were exceptional in Zebo, um, Calvin Nash and, and Shane Daly especially. So And Frisch with his out-the-back pass to Casey as well. So there was glimpses of this Munster that are building with Graham Roundtree. And I think he was very pleased with how his team performed going into Glasgow this weekend. We didn't get the showdown between uh, Ross Byrne and 
Jack Crowley like we had hoped to get but Frawley when he came on as well it looked like he's very comfortable at 10 I know Leinster play him a lot at 15 Ireland Andy Farrell seemed to like him at 10 as well and if he gets a run in the 10 jersey now it'll be difficult to take it off him Certainly that's the big question if he gets a run at 10 I think he was unlucky that he can play so many positions and that's why he kind of jumps on the bench um, he can cover midfield fullback and, and, and 10 but He's taken his opportunity extremely well, you know, and I thought he was superb at the weekend, control things. I'd love to see him play more at 10, really would. I know Harry Byrne got a good few chances at the start. Don't know how, what Ross Byrne, had the severity of his injury. Frawley certainly got to be one you got to look mm-hmm. at. Again, for multi-positional, but also he is such a quality player. If he can stay fit, that's a big thing for him as well. If he can stay and keep the minutes and keep that pressure on Ross Byrne, but certainly one you can look at in a 10 position. He plays on the gain line, doesn't he? He really plays a lot similarly to Johnny Sexton. He does. Do you think that's, would you prefer if you had to pick a position for him, you'd put him in 10? Yeah, yeah. Do you, like I think it's distribution because he has that ability to play in midfield. As he knows what he's doing. He can defend uh, and that fullback as well. He's got that attack and threat as well. Yeah. But then he's a bullet of a pass. So for me, it's, just give him the time at 10, you know, yeah. and just get used to it. Game management, obviously, uh, and controlling it. I think I'd, I'd agree. I think there was so much hype about him kind of as we were building those layers coming up to the World Cup that he was brought into Ireland camp for the 10. I think then he was very unfortunate between the games and probably the chances. How obviously He was the, injured on that tour as well. He was South injured. Um, it can be confidence. You need time as a 10. You need embedding. You have to form this halfback partnership. Then you're looking at everything. You know, where you are in the position. You're arranging all the players around you. But I watched him the weekend and he had his hand up all the time and he's He's like a general there. And the fact that he's running, he's on the gain line all the time. Mm. So he's holding his pass and waiting for that right exact decision or the defence to give them what the best decision is. He's great ball carrier. He runs great lines and he's very safe pair of hands. His kicking was exceptional mm. considering the pressure he was under mm-hmm. um, and the pressure of the game, how close it was. So I'd like to see, he's a guy who start, has started really well. So you can see the confidence oozing off him. Um, and I think that then feeds into the players around you. But a big couple of weeks for Leinster to see how they will actually now... Yeah, will you know. they look towards him or will they go for Sam Prendergast or Harry again? Well, I think I have to agree with James. I think he's kind of like that Jimmy O'Brien for Ireland in the sense that because he's multi-positional, then it, it really changes what your bench mm-hmm. can be, you know, and you can be safer in the knowledge that you can maybe look at more experienced players in specific positions where you need them. So I think he definitely needs to continue where he's playing and on the bench, whether he starts at 10. I think it's a, a bicep injury. Uh, yes, with Rothbard, that's what it looked it? like. So yeah. we don't know how long that'll be. But obviously the fact that you're he's so key in his passing and distribution that it's... Uh, yeah, so I'd start for Ollie and let him continue on. Especially Connick this weekend. No offence to Connick, but it's not like it's a European game where you're kind of throwing him in the deep end. And if he needs to start for a European game, he needs that game time under his belt this weekend. Exactly. So I'd be personally probably looking if the injury's there with Rothbard, I'd start for Ollie at 10. And then have maybe Prendergast as a backup to get him game minutes as well. But going back to Jack Crowley, he looked very impressive again this week and he seems to relish those physical encounters as well. Yeah, look, he looks so assured at that 10 position. I think the last 12 months, his growth has been huge and everything he's done. He looks so confident. I think when you see 10s coming in at the start, sometimes they're a little bit nervous, a bit edgy. He hasn't been and he's grown. He looks like he's running around, organising absolutely everything. Um, things are going right for him. He's physical, he's aggressive and how he carries as well. He's not afraid to tackle. And he looks like he's the one holding, putting his hand up to say, pick mm-hmm. me for, for the Irish. I'm going to be Johnny's replacement. Put yeah. me in there, let me know. Uh, let me have a shot at it because 
everything he's doing, he's ticking the right boxes in a big game against Leinster, you know, the biggest rivals there. And he's done a great job. So testament to him for for stepping up and doing it. But he's just got to keep that on trying yeah. to maintain it. He just doesn't seem phased by anything. No. And that's what I mean. Like, I haven't played, and I'm sure you're the same, James, when you have a confident 10 who you really trust, then everything feeds off. It's le- it's less thinking for you as a forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just waiting for the instruction. Um, and then they're... They're not predictable. He is not predictable. Like he is always eyes up waiting to put someone else in the best position on it. And even Calvin Ash working off his wing there the weekend to really cause Leinster extra problems. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just, I thought months are exceptional and they've grown into what the new age style of rugby is and it's very much an open, expansive game. Um, same with Sean Klein. He just had a little pop pass inside. So. Even if, the, if they, it cost them with Ty Burns offload that time. Listen, it's the kind of risk reward. Yeah. It is the risk reward. And that's just happened to be Leinster or a team and we saw it the week before they weren't great in, against Scarlets they weren't great in possession or territory but by God when they got the ball and they got it in open field they, yeah. they punished and that's just the nature of Leinster's team so it's not a monster issue or anything like that I think they should continue to play how they're playing same with Conor Murray the fact that he went down the blind side that's sometimes for me he's so reliable but maybe too reliable yeah. in how they were playing and off he went on a line break and I was like jeez he's quick enough the for strength a man he showed who's as well fantastic he retained the ball mm-hmm. and they they will be there were glimpses of again just gone over the game where they were kicking themselves at, you know rolled their luck a couple of times but easily could have come out the other side of that result one thing that stood out for me though Leinster when you get into the red zone it's so hard to score against them because they just look so organised yeah look and <sighs> They have shown over the past couple of years how good they are at that and the percentage must be in the 90s, high 90s of coming away with it, with scores. And it's it's just that patience that they have, you know. They know what they're doing. Um, they can control absolutely everything out there. And they're such a, look, they've quality everywhere, you know. Yeah. Like no matter who comes off the bench, it's quality side, be it defensively, offensively. They're able to get game line. They're able to score these tries. And and, and teams know it. When Leinster are attacking in 22s, team, teams know it. When Munster defending, they were lucky to get a couple of turnovers. You mentioned Ty mm-hmm. Byrne got a turnover on the line. But then when Leinster are defending themselves, they're so physical as well. And you've got to be patient. Munster's attack. It's it's hard to get up as a forward, to keep picking around the corner, getting up. You're fatigued, you're tired. Like and Leinster make it look easy when they're attacking. But then Munster sometimes just needed a bit more urgency, a bit more speed. Yeah. And it would have... Because if Leinster have time to get organised... You know, they, they, they're they just so comfortable in that defensive line. Exactly. And sometimes I think it takes maybe two passes or a pass to one, but you're organising the next play to yeah. go around the corner again where it's like, right, we'll get quick ball off this and then we'll go so they can't get set defensively. And Leinster just go to slow and then the ball. And um, I know I'm going to go back to kind of Rory Scano. Rory Scano got yellow carded, but it was a smart yellow. And sometimes you need to Oh, yeah, the smart, breakdown, wasn't it? You know, and otherwise they're going to concede a try. So... Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to be cute as well against the Leinster side, but then obviously the numbers led Leinster to score eventually. A lot of players stood out, I think, from a Munster perspective when you're looking at uh, maybe a younger and less experienced team. Like you had John Hodnett in there. I thought he had a fantastic game. And Tom Sahern at six as well. Were you impressed by him? Yeah, I mean, six foot nine. Uh, he's really grown. Like he, you know, we noticed him a couple of years ago. He would have been Ireland under 20, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, with Igdogbo. Um, so he's a guy who's you're thinking will this guy make it but he's filled out he's he's assured he's physical he's not afraid to get struck in the fact now that he's kind of now that Tyburn-esque where he can play second row he can come in as a back row 
um, the modern day second row is now really a promoted mm-hmm. back row you know because they're mobile and Oshin Dowling as well for Connacht yeah. absolutely thing. so weekend, I think yeah. uh, he's and I think the big thing for Munster going forward in a long season with have juggling European and URC and trying to mm-hmm. uh, stand in both is that Thomas Ahern will be one of those key players to come in whether there be injuries or fatigue or players need rest and, and has to be rotated in and out I think he's going to I think he's going to have a big season um, yeah. I would think overall now I think he's been unlucky as well with injuries he has you know, been and, I think, and you, you lose someone like Pete and Peter Manny and when he is in a defensive line out you know you've got to be on the money especially at the front mm-hmm. that he's such a weapon to show up there and then you have Thomas Ahern who comes mm-hmm. in not naturally a six but again that defensive option in a line out and offensively you know he's Six foot nine, as you say, it's it's a tough one to do, you know, and tough one to deal with. Um, he was superb for someone who hadn't played too much rugby this season, you know. I think it might have been his only second or third game. Um, certainly his first start, but he's one of these players who needs to get a string string a, a few games yeah. together if he can. Obviously, Europe's coming up in a couple of weeks as well, but needs to play a bit more. This, when you look at the Munster team, this is only really the start of the rebuild under Graham Rowntree and all these young players coming through. Mm-hmm. And I suppose having won in the Aviva last year, having the URC Cup under their belt as well, they don't fear Leinster. And I suppose looking at their season, it doesn't hinge on beating Leinster's. You know, it doesn't affect their season, whether they win or lose against Leinster now, I feel, because they have this confidence and belief in their own game plan and in the players that are coming through. And I think that's been the biggest cha- um, change from Graham, Graham Roundtree, the fact that the, the kind of, I suppose, broken broken pieces he had to put together, you know, and rebuild and instill confidence in younger players. So I think that was one thing and a cultural shift that there wasn't these enigmatic you know historical legends of Munster players just getting automatically into a jersey the likes of the Craig Casey's the Thomas O'Hearns um, the Gavin Coombs now were, were instilled with confidence because they were starting games on merit of training so that's a huge cultural shift for me I mm-hmm. can only imagine obviously I haven't been privy, privy to the inner circles or inner workings of Munster but I can only imagine um, that that's been a huge uh shift I think Graham Roundtree in just his interviews again I haven't met him he seems a really good yeah. guy um, he's not afraid to sugarcoat when you know they haven't met the standards he's instilled but he is not does not shy away from giving them the credit even on the back of a loss so you know there's obviously a process there and you know they have a set of standards working towards that process mm-hmm. and that goal and if the lads meet them you know he's he's more than happy so when you're given players confidence and they're able to play that's when you see the likes of John yeah. Tognett shining through Thomas Hare not afraid to come into six the likes of Calvin Nash who did get his opportunity going down to that um, with the kind of emerging talent for New Zealand and I don't think that guy's looked back since he's been he's been a really standout player for me over the last two seasons and I'd love to see him now get into a Six Nations yeah. squads for this upcoming tournament the building blocks are there now for Munster and I suppose the muscle memory is there now against Leinster as I said their season isn't defined by whether they win or lose against them no but I still think it's a it's a massive measure of where they are you know I think they'll always uh, weigh that up and see how far they've come on with it because I think Leinster have been so dominant the last couple of years that it's been a bugbear for them and frustrating when they see national sides mentioned and, and not as many Munster players are getting in as Leinster players Um but I think that the way Munster have evolved their game, if we go back to kind of the start of last season where I think it was Dragons and Cardiff and so many knock-ons, it was yeah. just, you couldn't recognise what they were trying to do and they stuck at it and they believed in the process and they believed in what um, Prendergast was trying to do. Yeah. 
And now you can see the benefits and the players believe in the system and it's, it, as you say, it's muscle memory for them. They understand what they're trying to do. They understand how they're trying to play. And now passes are starting to stick and they're confident. They obviously won last year's URC. Now there's a target on their back. So they've got to deal with that as well, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that they've got to be so confident in how they're doing it. We can see it. But now it's time to kick it on again as well and, and not worry so much about Leinster. Focus on themselves a lot more. And not be satisfied. Sorry, Lindsay. No, no, I've got to say Mike Prendergast and Dennis Leamy don't get yeah. enough for show. Sure, but yeah. they've done a great, great job coming in. Um as well to kind of really make them a, a full package. Do you know when you break it down? Sorry, I No, I was just saying they have a standard now, Munster, that they won't be happy with the losing bonus point, as we said at the start. And they should go into these games with expectation as opposed to hope. Yeah, definitely. One big thing, that, like they really disrupted Leinster. Like as I said, at times where you would guarantee Leinster, you know, converting in that, you know, that green zone, as we call it, you know, anywhere in from the 22, but especially on the five, you know, five metre from Munster's try line, you expect them. But we had the cynical, which it was a really good yellow card from Rory Scannell. He just really slowed the ball. And then it ended up, I think Leinster knocked it on from that, Mm -hmm. you know, and their (coughs) uncharacteristic errors. And that's the pressure that Munster got up. So at times they did organise really well. Um, you know on the defensive line and that was one thing I did take note of they just frustrated Leinster I think if they could m- maybe work on their set piece to kind of get up to the standards of Pio Mani where you're used to him disrupting a line mm-hmm. now he actually when we say mirror like he is like a shadow of whoever he's marking and I think they're kind of the key zones and we would have saw that with La Rochelle last year really targeting breakdown with Leinster at their set piece because they've nothing to build on then yeah. you know they rely on, on a quick rook ball they rely on a launch uh, set from their line out or scrum and if they're kind of taken away then you've not yeah. to kind of work with basically This um, hit out will benefit Leinster a lot as well because as we know the Irish contingent are just coming back in and you'd expect that rustiness when, with players that haven't played for with each other for a while in a Leinster jersey and they've Connacht next week and then they head off to La Rochelle so would you imagine that things will start to tighten up as they go on now and get more game time together? Yeah I think so I think the focus is back in the blue jersey for them now and they've left kind of what's happened in, in France behind them so I think they really have to and I think the pressure's on them again this year because they need to win something they've yeah. two years uh, with, with no trophies um, sometimes taking the URC for granted maybe and I think they're going to have to come away with some silverware this year still Nina Barr has got to come in I think still think he's going to have a massive say mm-hmm. I think defensively he can maybe add another string to what they're doing, you know. I think just the aggression that we see with South Africa, um, I'd expect them to bring in something like that. Also, I think it's needed against the bigger, physically bigger French sides that they come across that sometimes see Leinster come a cropper. But um, yeah, they can only get better. Connacht this week, it's going to be interesting selection-wise. Does he rotate, bring in some other guys to give them a few minutes? Don't know how much he's going to want to rotate coming into Europe, but I'm yeah. sure we'll see a bit of a mixed side. But there's plenty to work on for them yeah. there's, there's so many quality players there that's it and Jacques Nienabar he arrived this morning in Leinster so I'd he... love to be a fly in the wall for the training this week because I'm wondering yeah, how hands on flying. will he be straight away or will he observe for the first few weeks no I don't see him observing I'd say he he's. Straight I'd in. say his observing has been over the last yeah. couple of weeks I know obviously he had the celebrations with South Africa yeah. but I still think then he's a a man of huge professionalism and, and look, the South Africans adore their rugby. So mm-hmm. I think he will want to come in and, you know, put his blueprint on a lot of things. What will he have change. seen in Saturday's game? I think he'll see a, 
a really great layers of foundations to build upon. But now to bring them all together to make this absolutely into a juggernaut for the rest of the season, mm. I think they can improve their ing- aggression. I think sometimes their line speed can be inconsistent. Um, if you see with the South African, even club sides, their line speed and their aggression and their want to get that ball. And can't remember the exact story, as I said, Greg, you know, O'Shea, when he was in with Munster, spoke about basically, I think, Nina Barr relating to the ball being like like your child. That's how much you want to protect that ball. So on both sides of the rook, I think yeah. he's going to bring a huge amount of aggression. And I think then... Probably the finishing touches is, you know, which let them down in La Rochelle. You can't keep playing the same Leinster way with all the bigger mm-hmm. teams. I think, yes, when you can move the ball and move them from side to side and create gaps. But I think you have to be patient and you have to be physical. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see the reaction from them. Not much, because obviously there's huge respect for Leo Cullen and yeah. what they've done there. They're, I think Nina Barr will help bring the finish article and hopefully some silverware this season. Have you seen any tweaks or changes um, since the departure of Stuart Lancaster in the way that Leinster play or line out? Um, not too much, I think. Uh, Andrew Goodman's obviously been a, a student of Stuart's, I suppose, uh, and his own game down New Zealand. But um, small little things, you still have your noticeable wraparounds that Leinster would do, but not major. I still yeah. think that... Um, it can't come in and change too much initially straight away. I think you can slowly embed things. Mm-hmm. Same with Nina Barr. I don't think he's going to come in and say, right, our winger is going to shoot out from the inside and that's because mm-hmm. that's what we do in South Africa. It's going to be slowly inbuilt into what they want to do. Initially, I'm sure it's just going to bring, bring line speed. But in attack, Goodman's put more of a string. He's been away at the World Cup as well, so he'll be slow to kind of get things going. But you'd like to see them kicking on for Europe and, and maybe see a little bit of a change in how they play. Small, but I don't think they need too much of a change, mm-hmm. to be honest. And what would you expect from them on Saturday? You were saying you don't know how he's going to go with team selection. How do you think the game's going to pan out in Galway? Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's plenty of biting between the two sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that goes back to the John Muldoon conversion attempt. Um, I'm sure that will be on the wall. Um, Connacht will want to win these interpros as well. You know, down there, they've been pretty formidable at home. Um, and Leinster will know that it's going to be a hard game down there. Um, again, depending on conditions down there. But um, look, It'd be pretty safe to say it's going to rain in Galway. Yeah. <laughs> no way, it never rains in Galway. <laughs> and cold and yeah, yes. uh, and we'll drive down that day. But I think it's a case of um, Leo has certainly targeted this game, and I think not that it was a disrespect, but he used to give players a ch- chance to kind of rotate his team going down there. Since that game, I think he's changed his attitude towards it and put a few more players stronger side on out mm-hmm. per se. Uh, it's still an interpro at the end of the day. And Leinster want to certainly improve, especially coming into Europe. You know, I think you got to have players play and you can't just go into Europe with a team mm-hmm. and go, right, we haven't played And they together. won't be satisfied with the performance at the weekend. No, certainly not. And there's always work-ons, I guess, but I think it's it's still an interpro and it's still a, a guy across the way for you. He's trying to get an Irish jersey off you. And, and the coaches, the Irish coaches watch yeah. everything in this. So it's a great chance for both sides. Munster are down in Cork on Friday night. They welcome Glasgow. Glasgow and that's always a feisty affair. Like we remember back to Thoman Park last March, Glasgow were running away with it in the first half. Now Munster fought their way back into the game, but Glasgow won comfortably and, you know, they're doing really well. We'll move on to Glasgow Connacht shortly, but they look like a formidable force this season. Yeah, they're playing some nice stuff. Obviously, they played Ulster at home there the, the weekend and they were 14-0 down, mm-hmm. if memory serves you right. And they really came back and they fought. And 
very very physical and then their back line and their wingers really are they're well able to mm-hmm. open teams up and you know they've nice little intricate plays and yeah they're not kind of this run of the mill team that just kind of chuck the ball under their arm and just you know you know inch by inch and metre by metre they just kind of wear you mm-hmm. down but um, they can kind of go out the back they can take a you know front football through their forwards their set piece is excellent I thought they were fairly formidable about against ultra scrum especially in the first half um, kind of settled matters in the second same with set piece um, now they were a bit inconsistent themselves kind of crooked throws and then overthrows but when they start to manoeuvre and they all mm-hmm. click um, they're fairly fairly and they've won 5 out of 6 so they're sitting top yeah, of the URC and they're not, URC, yeah. not there for no reason you know um, we'll move on to that game so Ulster they were ahead 14-0 after 11 minutes over in Scotstoun it was always going to be a tough task to face Glasgow at home but they just couldn't live with their pace and power especially in that second half no, yeah, I, th- I think you look at this Glasgow side and, and at home, as Lindsay mentioned, they are such a threat. Franco Smith came in last year, in the middle of last year, and takes a while for him to embed things. But this year had a full pre-season mm-hmm. and they're so good there. I think Ulster going over there, look, it was like it's a tough place to go, you know, and, and Ulster did well to start, but I think that was due to Glasgow not particularly firing too well and giving away a lot of penalties. But... Um, once Glasgow got form, once they got a bit of, once they got their their line drive going, their mm-hmm. set piece line is superb, mm-hmm. um, and they've tried it everywhere. You know, I just don't think Ulster could live with it. Um, I don't think that Dan would be too disappointed. Maybe not getting away with a point, you know, but I don't think he's going to be too disappointed going away there in a bitterly cold night in Glasgow yeah. as well. Um, no excuses for them. They weren't great. Kits off improved the scrum when he came on. Yeah. Uh, it was great to see him make his debut and, and Zach Solomon made his debut at Hooker as well. So that takes some positives in that regard. But look, he'll draw a line under it and he's got to focus on some big games coming up. Yeah, 10 minutes into the second half, that's when Kitsoff came off the, bell, off the bench and we saw him for the first time in an Ulster jersey. Were you impressed by him? Yeah, he definitely settled the ship. Now, there was one time a ball went loose off a line out and he, I thought he could have just taken man and ball and he just kind of stood back and... You know, it's very hard for a guy with such expectation, I'm, I'm sure, to come in and just have this, you know, magical Harry Potter influence yeah. on a team. But I suppose one thing that stood out for me was the Tom Stewart try, right? So he, he scores five minutes in. So we have a James Hume little kick through. The pressure's on. They turn over the ball. They, they kick to the touch. They're line out mall and Tom Stewart. So that's one glimpse of pure skill and want and grit. And then you have another time where they're just at sixes, at sevens, they haven't folded and their discipline, I think, was one thing Dan McFarlane kind of said, yeah. you know, and again, it comes back to Jack, Zach Salmon was great to see his debut, uh, McNaby at number eight again. He's real. he's a bit like Tom O'Hearn, he looks so big and I'm like, he looks strange at number eight, but he got some great gain line balls. So again, just the inconsistency mm-hmm. that John Cooney did great as well. So I'd like to see Kitsoff now start yeah. this week. Um, Marty Moore again obviously after injury and he came on second half and really settled the scrum as well because I think their line out I think Ian Henderson had a great game as well but you can't have kind of intermittently players just standing out or intermittently coming in and out of games as yeah. well do you know yeah. I think that's my frustration again with Ulster is there's the glimpses of exactly what you can do and put yourself 14 nil up and then that probably is the one difference you know we spoke about Leinster there a few minutes ago in the trust and knowing exactly what their role is on the five metre on the try line so they're disciplined and they're assured Whereas once Ulster were put under a bit of pressure after those two tries, they yeah. just couldn't. They had no answers to Glasgow, but yet they're well able to make gain line yeah. tackles. They're well able to fold and get in 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 their defensive line. So I just think probably a little bit more work on the defensive and being able to take the pressure when they come up is one thing I'd like to see them work on 
to kind of again kick off because yeah. it's inconsistency. You have a great win, you have a loss. Well, one thing that's not helping with the inconsistency is the growing injury list. And they lost Jake Flannery just before kickoff as well. And Billy Burns went oh, off HIA. with a HIA. Mm. So Nathan Doe came on the be- for, uh, for cover um, on the bench there for Jake Flannery. So I feel um, like when Ulster, they have a long injury list, but when you move away from their best starting 15, there is a drop off. And I know they have a lot of academy players coming through, but maybe they're not of that standard yet. Yeah, and look, it's 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 a tough situation for them when you, you're just going through a bad run of luck with, with yeah. injuries. I think you look at these young guys, I'm sure, are thriving. And it's great that some of these players like Ruben Crothers, you know, he's been earmarked for the past couple of years he's now getting game time yeah. you've got to take positives with that as well and these players playing these games go right this is the level we need to get to yeah. if you're a little bit below because we saw it with Leinster in the first game as well they played some of the young kids yeah. in the first game got in a bit of trouble but then they go right well that's the bar and that's where we need to get yeah. to so these younger players can only get better but now and in, 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 at the moment I guess it is frustrating though certainly want to get some players back in the field for me as well it's that consistency of that 9 and 10 as well I know they've rotated I know there has been injuries but who does he feel is his best 9 and 10 and and let them play together and get these partnerships if you're going to try Jake Flannery give him a good run of games and don't ship him out and bring Billy in and um, yeah he's got some big decisions to make end of year as well Billy Burns out of contract what do they do you know do they keep him on and you know it's, it's going to be tough and again Ulster's Academy are getting a hell of a lot better you know there are a lot of better players coming through because beforehand, Absolutely, yeah. beforehand think, if they'd done this, you'd be like, oh no, yeah. like, this could be a, a bad day. But they're, they're And, and we've been talking about those brilliant players Scott that are Wilson coming through, yeah. like Dave McCann as mm-hmm. well. You, they have the players, but they just need, I suppose, more game time. So what do you do now then? Would you just blood the younger players or do you kind of take your games where, again... There's a time and a place to blood them because my own club team were going through huge transition and it takes time because it's a baptism of fire. You're kind of throwing young players in at the deep end going, well, we've done this, but they do not know the level until you're kind of swimming in the deep end. I think, <laughs> But I think if you can be lucky enough to have some quality players and you can drip feed one or two in, yeah. then they're relaxed and they're playing with um, starters the whole time. They can focus on their game. Sometimes when you make 12 changes, even eight changes, like, you know, sometimes you might play a weaker side and you might go, right, we'll put nine lads in and there's your chance and you're like well everyone's new here whilst if you've a bit more okay put two three lads in with a a normal starting Mm -hmm. 15 then they're used to playing with quality and then another couple of guys the next time and they they get comfortable in that situation Yeah, but when they're hampered by injury it's hard to do that yeah it is it is hard you know and and look I get it but then you see someone like a Scott Wilson who comes in takes the opportunity and goes look I'm here well I've got opportunity if the lads weren't injured probably not but now I'm at, I've shown Dan I'm at this level mm-hmm. and I can be consistent at this level as a tight head prop super but I agree mobile, I like that. yeah, yeah. It's a modern day prop yeah. I agree with your uh, point on the 10 though I feel like nobody has grabbed that 10 jersey in Ulster for a good few years now but probably like like they didn't use Madigan no which was disappointing because I thought you know he was going to kickstart his career Ian Madigan is an exceptionally talented player yeah. again probably hampered by injury in and out and um, yeah it was gas to obviously see John Cooney the only second ever ultimate to hit a thousand points was it over the weekend and then you're looking back to David Humphreys and you're like wow there was a, exceptional players to come out of uh, Ulster but probably one thing they're missing is is kind of that 10 mm-hmm. that kind of nucleus that the brain you know behind everything that they do well and, and someone who can pull the strings and I think I agree uh, with James that halfback pair 
partnership for a team with your kind of uh, gambling on inexperience for now and trying to get players uh, game time I think that mm-hmm. that partnership has to be embedded in because that will instill that confidence and it, it's a it's a link that's essential for yeah. for the forward and the backs because they've some great if you look at their backline do you know when yeah. they've everyone available like that's it was it. exciting Balakoon Stockdale um, and Stockdale has been playing McCluskey, well Hume yeah like that's an exceptional uh, Stuart Moore a fullback who was mm-hmm. who his kicking game as well um, so I'd like to see that link because I think um, you can probably put a little bit more inexperience in the pack without undermining the job they do but if you get young players in knowing what rook they're at to be in what pod they're meant to be in what the calls are you know that will build confidence a little bit easier in the forward line because you, you just need to show up and be a bit more physical and know your role the back line obviously is a little bit more Mm-hmm. intricacies of their play and who needs to run lines and ex- exactly decision making but I think yeah 9 and 10 is key for just to build a little bit of confidence and momentum for Ulster Well despite all this they're still fourth in the URC and they welcome Edinburgh to Belfast at the weekend would you be confident of a home win? Yeah yeah no I would would indeed I think that um, Edinburgh coming over will be a challenge saw them playing mm-hmm. against Leinster in the RDS and um when they have their full side out, and look, they lost to they lost a couple of weeks. So was it this weekend to Treviso or last weekend um, to Benetton? Yeah, Benetton. So yeah. they'll want to bounce back from that, you know, and they'll be confident enough coming over when they play. They've a lot of Scottish internationals in their side. Ben Healy's been playing great for them. Be a big challenge for them, but also I think we'll just do enough at home. I think Dan will certainly have them fired up for this weekend because they'll need to bounce back, you know. And again, going into Europe, they want to have some confidence. Another team that would be hoping to bounce back on Saturday is Connacht. They went to Loftus-Versfeld against the Bulls on Saturday and the game finished 53-27. And it was always going to be a tough challenge taking on the Bulls at home. No Irish team has ever won there. I don't think any European team has ever won there. But Connacht didn't help themselves either. No. Uh, well, they got a yellow card. Uh, I didn't think they could f- uh, handle the Bulls' physicality. You know, the Bulls actually had one out runners and they were just taking, you know, yeah. a couple of uh, Connacht men with them. Um, set piece as well. Discipline. Um, I thought there was great endeavour and there was glimpses of exactly where Connacht are building and in the right direction. Um, so there will be huge positives to come out of that game. I know they were frustrated at the end with the decision of the referee not to give them the advantage mm-hmm. and they could have come away with a losing bonus point. But um, I think they'll be happy enough with their two weeks in, in South Africa coming back to play Leinster. And yeah. then the question is, will Mack and, and Bundy be back for this weekend? But... Yeah, probably they'd be disappointed. Um, I still don't understand where the constant changing of, of Carty and Hanron. I thought Hanron did great, great last week, so I can't understand them. Yeah. Let's say Car- uh, Car- Jack Carty didn't do well this week coming in, but he's just a different player. One thing I probably noticed that I found infuriating probably in a way is that we look at the likes of even Ulster, but Munster, Leinster playing, you know, their 10 playing on the, the gain line, that second line of attack with those runners, you know, holding the defence. And then, you know, Ralston is coming off his wing and he's so deep. I'm like, yeah. you're not getting any gain line off that attack, you know, so it's kind of fruitless. Yeah. So I found that strange against a very physical team when they did have space that they were so far. They just extra work yeah, for themselves. Yeah. So whether that was fatigue or the heat or just a little bit of time and off, it can happen. But, you know, when they did such good things, they just couldn't capitalise on them. And as you mentioned there, the Bulls were hugely physical. And like you were saying about that back row forward who can get you that front football, they have those players and they showed that they have so many players that can punish you when you have seven tries from seven different try scorers. Yeah, look, and I, I suppose 
if you if cannot go back and before they go to South Africa to sit back and go, okay, what do we want from South Africa? Look, they got their first ever win there, so that's a box ticked, you know, to back well, it up. Well, I have over to say that that was their fifth win. In South Africa. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, but it's... He meant the season. Exactly. This season. Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. This season. But, it's, but it's a case of, I think, to back it up against such a... like. Okay, the Sharks aren't great this year. Let's call a spade a spade in it. I think the Bulls are a different prospect altogether. To go on that second week at altitude, you fly in a day or two before... Um, you play the balls to get used to altitude. So it's so hard playing in that. Um, heat as well, I would think. And the heat is thirty-five degrees at five o'clock in the evening. <laughs> yeah. Like it's 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 a tough one, you know. And these guys are used to it. Like it's been a tough two weeks. No excuses, you know. I think some of their play was poor, but there are circumstances behind it, you know. And and they rotated side as well. Mm. Yeah. Interesting tactics, I think. You know, I think I think Wilkins plays. They want to play expansive rugby, which is great. Sometimes, though, I think if you're in a way side against a big physical side, don't try and run it the whole time. I think yeah. you just kick it. You play territory. You take the sting out of it, especially when you're fatigued as well over there. And don't think they manage it quite as well. Are they playing too much in their own 22? Sometimes. I think doesn't okay. there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if you do four or five and you're not getting anywhere, you sit back in a pocket and you play, you go, okay, or even two or three times. Just give it a breather. Exactly, because defences are, are so organised nowadays against the physical side who are going to enjoy and live off big hits and driving you back. I think they can sit back and just kick and take the sting out yeah. and be smart, you know, and, and, and compete at line out and regroup. I'm sure some of the forwards were getting up going, oh, he's kicked it dead and we're right mm -hmm. back here. Like, and it's so frustrating, I'm sure. Or get up from a scrum, it's a knock on. It is so frustrating. But, in saying that they nearly got away with getting a bonus point yeah. the game opened up it was probably suited Connacht later on in the second half that the game did open up a bit more and it suited the way they are playing because their balls were a little bit looser you know because they had the win in the bag and yeah I thought they switched off to be they, honest but then it's a chance for Connacht to go we can actually get a bonus point <laughs> yeah. here okay, it doesn't the, the results beyond date but if we can sneak four, four tries yeah. like how good five points get back because like, ultimately look they're still four from six you know, that's it and they uh, and they had as you said they had really good passages of play especially in that second half with that quick ball so you can see what they're trying to do but as James was saying there maybe it is down to just that management at 10 hugely because like I'm sitting there the reason I was laughing was I'm like I can, I'm trying to recall the most physical team you played at and then you're in heat now as an Irish person playing against a superior team physically along with the heat you're absolutely dead so as a prop, an ex-prop, you're going, please don't use me. Or, you know, you can only go so many phases before you're really goosed. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So very surprised they didn't use more of a kicking mm -hmm. game. I think you're right in what you say against big physical teams, whether we're talking about Ireland in South Africa or whether we're talking about Connacht and Bulls, you want to move a big team around and then you're trying to open up gaps. So depending on the game, you're kicking for territory, you might be kicking. I know Moody came on, he kind of had a mistake. Could you have targeted players to put them under pressure, force the Bulls into mistakes, gain some territory? Mm -hmm. The set piece was excellent at times when they went to the corner. Do you know they did win the wrong ball? Um, so I think, yeah, game management and decision making. And this isn't the first time we kind of brought this up. So mm -hmm. you have to look at what your opposition is strong at and where they're weak. And you have to kind of counteract that and, and make like create opportunities for yourself off that. So I think second game in a row again, a South African team, regardless of how poor the Sharks were, they're still a physical side to put, you know, yeah. put you through your paces. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, with one week recovery, I'd say there was very little left in the tank for some players, you know, who played for the second week. So, yeah, I think if they've come away with anything from South Africa, you would hope that they'd have learned on a kind of tactical sense as to where they can manage those games and, and really put themselves in good positions to get scores and bonus points and, and even win games. And it feels like Connacht have more depth this season. They rotated a lot on the tour to South Africa. You had Colm Riley in at scrum half. I know Quaylen Blade was at a different level when he came off the pitch, but they need to build that depth and they're giving players chances. Yeah, certainly. I think as well, they kind of riskingly brought on Caelan Blade. I think he was the last uh, substitute to be used. So they trusted Colin Riley, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. And they left him out there for a good 65 minutes, I think, if not more. Um, but that's what they need. They need quality in behind. Normally Connacht um, historically have had a strong 15 and then behind that it's like, okay, or 23. Yeah. Behind that then, what else do we do? If, if you come, if you have, say, like an Ulster and you have four or five injuries, do you have that quality? And they do now, they can mix it up, you know, even had Kyle Ford has been superb and Hawkshaw played 13. Doesn't yeah, want to play that was 13. his first time playing 13 you know, for Connacht. And they look pretty good and ultimately they're three tens that are playing 10, 12, 13. So you've got smart guys and that, again, comes back to some of the game management. Why, one of those didn't stand up and call forward. I think it's a left peg in him too. He's a big boot. Mm. Three tens, you can you can alter what you're trying to do. But but look, it's quality. It's strange, isn't it? To put them there. Tactically, you'd think they didn't use them. Yeah, yeah. But it's also <laughs> for them to step up and take the game and say, right, yeah. drop back here. Like there's enough decision makers there to go, this is what we need to do to like learn on the hop rather waiting from results or from advice yeah. from the stands. But I think look, strength and depth is there. They've plenty of back three players. Oshin Dowling slot into six. Thought he was pretty good in there. Um, they'd be happy with the head of front row went as well, you know. So ultimately, look, it's it's been pretty successful. I'm sure they'd be happy. Yeah, as you said, it's four from six, but it doesn't get any easier for Connacht now. They have Leinster at home next week and then they're into European action. Then they're away to Ulster and at home to Munster. So if you're looking at the URC they could easily lose those three games. Not saying they they're going to win, but they're going to not going to win. But they're going to be very competitive, tough challenges for them. Hugely, uh, you know, none tougher than than Leinster. And I suppose for you know being a Leinster fan, I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that actually Connacht at times away in the sports ground has been our Achilles heel. Whether that's not being set up and they were weak at the time, but they've they have scalped us. Um, so I think it's. On the back of the mistakes we saw Leinster make, I think they're a probably dangerous animal. It'd be interesting to see with the lineup they go. But yeah, I certainly as a fan was disappointed in some of the opportunities we created on Saturday and didn't finish. And I'd be hoping, yeah, a ruthless performance come come Saturday night in the sports ground. But it'll be interesting. I don't think Connacht will lie down. I think there's a huge confidence in them. It's nice with a change of management. I think, again, the fact that they're being rotated instills that confidence in it. So, you know, that this is an overall you know, really deep squad who are all in it together and everyone is equal and that, that brings something different. Um, So I think they'll be fairly confident but I can't see anything but an answer win personally. Yeah, Bundy to come back in maybe, Mac Hansen as well, Paul Boyle is another player who could add a lot to the team. What would you do at 10? <sighs> Straight to the point. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know really. You know, I'm, I'd probably go JJ maybe slightly. I just think if, if you stand back on the balance of play between the two players, how they've both gone. Just think JJ on form. Um, it's a close one though because, you know, what Jack has done for Connacht and brings to Connacht and is a leader right there as well. Um, He's the captain as exactly, well. Exactly, you yeah. know, so it's, to take that away, it's a tough one, but I'm sure he's going to get, whoever to go, it's going to get plenty of game time. I, t- I do think it's finally balanced between the two of them, but I, 
on form, I think, JJ. We'll have a better idea, I suppose, where Connacht are at after they play these next three interpros. But they will be targeting their home wins for sure. They will. But then you're kind of looking at, you know, if Leinster come to town and they're at full throttle, uh, without being disrespectful, they can be dangerous. You know, if it's a case of a night where there's mistakes or mismanagement. And like we said, they're certainly potent on a on a turnover ball, yeah. you know, broken play, they will absolutely rip you asunder. So if it's a night where they start well and you don't have a confidence performance um, from Connacht, it could be different. And then you're going into your European games and then you wouldn't want to go to Ulster because I think, again, depending on, on what Ulster presents themselves or on the back of a loss or, you know, they're really... They're probably another t- um, yeah. province who are looking to really cement, you know, that... Again, Kingspan being their just fortress, which they haven't really done last year, yeah. was a poor, probably home return for their game. So, and then Munster away to finish it off. So they've a tough run, but as I said, a kind of the inconsistency of Connacht, you just don't know. It could be three from four, it could be zero from four. You know, yeah. you just don't know. I think the management of that's crucial, and for all the teams coming in, because there's so many games in a row that you have to kind of target games, perhaps, and. I don't know if you like the French and go for your home games, but maybe that's the smart thing to do. Yeah. And maybe an Ulster side's in a weaker side away or whatever. And you go for those games and you go, right, we just win our home games and, and we'll rotate. And that's why yeah. you can, it's great to see rotation now at the moment because players can't complain now because everyone's getting an opportunity. Yeah. And it's not as if it's right, same team every week. You can't afford to do that in yeah. a 12, 13 week stretch of games and that's the beauty of this now at the moment. Before we finish up just to touch on the news from Munster this week that Peter Romani is stepping aside as yeah. Munster captain for after spending 10 years as captain and leader there it was strange in a way the timing five rounds in to the new season that they announced this what do you think can we read anything into it when we're thinking about the Irish captaincy? Um, interesting point I didn't really look at it I, I was surprised myself that he stood away but at the same time I think it's probably a good time he's been 10 years there he's been absolutely unbelievable servant to Munster Rugby and I suppose he himself I think he's very pragmatic and rational guy I think he just would feel that maybe the, the transition and the time is right for these young guys maybe to step up we see even James Ryan and, and Guy Ringrose who are hugely experienced are now you know sharing the captaincy with, mm-hmm. with Leinster so um, it'll be interesting to see who the the replacement is, but yeah. yeah, it could be the fact that he's taken over Irish captaincy and he can't do both. Dermot Barron captained the side on Saturday. Um, he's captain Munster a few times now. Who in your eyes is in the running? Oh, look, there's plenty of people in the running there. I think Tyg Byrne would be one for me that would stick out because he's kind of been there and been around that group. Uh, just on quickly on the Pete point, I think is if you look back to when I was in the squad when Pete was made captain and Paul O'Connell was still there and Ronan O'Gara was still there. So the names are there and Pete learned and got to work, bend stuff off them. And I think it's an interesting one that Pete's going to step aside, but he's still going to be there and he can yeah. bring on this mm-hmm. other person. And look, you have a leader out in the field anyway. And ultimately, they're just making one or two decisions. But you can bounce things off Peter if need be, um, whoever that is. Look, they have a lot of experience there. Um Having someone in the in in the pack is for me kind of. I always like to have a someone in the forwards and mm-hmm. as a captain because they're in a cold phase. I didn't want a winger running in across going, oh yeah, do this and go for the cross. Like yeah. someone's there, we know what we're doing. Get on with our ten mm-hmm. if someone's close. But I think for me, Barnes an interesting choice. Tyg Byrne, as I said, would be 
one that I'd like to see maybe get it. But you've lots of leaders out there anyway. Is there anyone that stands out for you, Lindsay? I think some of the looking at the young crew, they they just are getting find their groove and find mm. their feet in in the URC. So I think for some of them to put the captaincy on their shoulders might be a little bit step too like, far. Could they look at Crowley, Casey? I would look if I was going for the younger doing a little bit like a co-captaincy. I think it's easier for to help that experience because I'd be guilty of you know very few times I had the privilege of cap- captaining, but you kind of think you have to do something profound and you don't mm. you know if anyone's a leader sometimes and certainly Pete is a, a guy who I would say by his words but his words are bolstered by his actions and people follow those who who action what they mm-hmm. say Um, so I think it's about not deviating too much from you know if someone's made captain you're there because of what you do on the pitch so probably I'd agree with James maybe Chai Byrne because um, I think he's just been around and I think his story coming from Scarlet's and building himself up and, and he's so essential to, to what Munster mm. do, I think. And I don't think it'll phase him. He seems a kind of a guy who doesn't, he goes about his business. And that's crucial thing. doesn't phase you because yeah. a captaincy can weigh you down and you can, as you say, overthink things nearly and go, you need, as you say, you need to do something or I better get this or, and it stops you playing your own game and you want someone who just goes, yeah, fine, okay, you're mm. Captain Grant and not yeah. worry about it yeah. and just take it on yeah. like someone taking a penalty in football. You put your name down, you walk straight up and that's... Yeah. Mm, it's it's part exactly you know and it's natural should be seamless interesting about the co-captains that could be something they look at as well you know but yeah it's a it's a big decision for them yeah and Graham Ramsey said they're not going to rush it and I suppose as you were saying it's very important that they have Pete there to hand over the baton and to mentor the successor he did and you know what he's he seems a very humble guy Um, I know the he presented jerseys to the Irish girls not too long ago and they they or one of his, he was one of their favourites. Um, so I think he's just very much um, down to earth guy who's very personable. So I think he was very humble in his statement about it and he did allude to the fact that James just said that, he, you know, he had Paul O'Connell there and that was essential that he mm. had that, that backup to kind of bounce that off. And that will be a huge transition period for whoever takes the captaincy because you do have to reflect on, on decisions you could have made in yeah. a game and in rugby, especially if they're tight games, are you going for the post, are you going for the corner, what's your line-out call, are you going for a scrum? And they're, they seem minimal decisions, but they're actually not because you have to depend mm-hmm. on, on how you're firing in those different areas. So, um, yeah, he was very minimal in what he said, but he kind of said, listen, I'm here around with a, an arm around their shoulder and I think that'll be essential for that transition over. So congratulations to him and, and fair play to you on the last It'll 10 years. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold. Well, we'll have to leave it there today. My thanks to Lindsay and to James. That's all we have time for on this week's House of Rugby, but we'll be back again next Monday. Until then, from all of us here, it's longer Sports Joe presents House of Rugby.